All right. Welcome. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Embodied Wealth podcast. The last couple episodes have been Kundalini Yoga focused. So these humans have integrated some level of Kundalini Yoga in their life. And the first 11 episodes have been decided that that is going to be the focus so that people can have a relationship to other people through sound through this podcast and have a better understanding of how it can impact them if they do want to incorporate the practice in their own life. So we have a new human today. And if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yes, my name is Aria Raphael. Perfect. And what is your, what was the beginnings of your Kundalini yoga journey. Wow. Well, um, it began with, I suppose I could even go back up before I was just introduced to Kundalini. Um, I had said yes in my life to my gifts and um, I was learning more and more about what my own gifts are. And my dear friend, Nina, who is um, she's an earth angel of sorts. She, um, she invited me. She said, I really think you should come check out this Kundalini class. I was like, what's Kundalini? I didn't know. And uh, I went to a class uh, and I, at the, that yoga studio, I met Guru Jagat and I started taking classes with her and it was just, I just kept going. I just fell in love with it and I knew I was exactly where I needed to be. Yeah, that's how I got started anyhow. And what made you stay? Like, what what were some, like, big moments? Like, I know for me, I've had moments where I literally cried during a set. I was just like, this is it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I think that sometimes it can, it can be a lot of different things, but sometimes it's the teacher and, and, you know, you get, you develop a connection or you feel like something really resonates for you. Um, so that was the case for me with, uh, with Guru Jagat. But um, also I just, um, every time I showed up, I felt like I was deeply inside a space of healing and abundance before I even, you know, we started class and I just, again, it was that feeling of like, I don't really know a lot of what this is. And of course, you know, when you really don't know it, it almost can seem weird, right? It's just because it's really unique and, and different, but um, it just, I kept staying there and um, oh, so many, so many transformations started to happen for me just by being there. And I actually, um, I could further say that, you know, they had 30 day yoga challenges where, you know, you do yoga every day. And so I would do those consecutively. And I was doing Kundalini classes every single day. And, uh, and then I just continued with it for about, um, you know, regularly for at least two and a half years as part of my regular practice. And it really, um, it shifted a lot of things for me. And even in terms of its contribution to the work that I, that I do now. So as for the reason that you stay, sometimes you just know you're in the right place doing the right thing. And even if you don't fully understand what it is you're learning just mm-hmm. yet, you know? Yeah. I like I feel like the Kundalini, it really integrates that that understanding of discipline because I feel discipline yes. collectively has not been as um, important for some reason. So being mm-hmm. disciplined again, committing to something because yes. there's so many different parts of our lives that we like commit and then we, you know, hermit and we fall away from. But I find this Kundalini yoga practice, it like you have no other option to commit because there's this beautiful give and take that happens with the, with the practice. Yeah. And, and, and as well, you know, something else that I love about Kundalini is that 
there is that discipline and it is physical, but uh, for, you know, for those who know Kundalini, you know, already know this, but it's not like our, our typical other kinds of yoga. There's a lot of energetics to it. And for a teacher like yourself, who also channels, you know, that's a really um, valuable extra piece, you mm -hmm. know, when you are being given and downloading information that's from that higher wisdom. And then you have the energetics and the transformation happening there. And then it's physical as well. And all of that discipline together is just sort of, um, it's very holistic in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. What would be like a, a meditation that you felt called to do on a consistent basis? Cause I know there's certain mantras or certain kriyas where you're just like, I have to do this every day cause it's the only way I can exist. <laughs> You know, what's so great about that, that you asked that question is I, I, so I think a lot of people could probably relate to this, that I was less disciplined and doing it on my own, which is why I showed up for it with a teacher so regularly, because, mm -hmm. um, I, there's a really beautiful trust that you have with your teacher where, you know, uh, the teacher is providing something that is probably relevant to what's happening in the world at that moment. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I liked being able to receive from someone else's wisdom in that way, but um, I didn't have one that I did regularly on my own. I just regularly showed up to classes mm -hmm. and that was my accountability for keeping the process going for myself, which again was, was so valuable over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. um, but I have some favorite, you know, I have some favorite memories though. Um, and some things that really impacted me very, very powerfully. Um, I, there was one um, particular session, so interesting, um, because it was originally designed by Yogi Bhajan, and, um, and my teacher was, uh, at the time, providing it. And it was actually a death exercise. Yeah. And so we were doing all, you know, we were doing all our, you, um, our normal yoga um, bits up into that moment. And then she led us into this. I would have to see and find what it was maybe called, but it had something to do with death, but in a really empowering way. Mm. And it was almost like a regressive. Um, it wasn't regressive hypnosis, but it, the meditation took us deeply, 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 almost back to the moment of death in a sense. And um, do you remember, have you? Uh, I, feel like, I feel like Hadiji even taught it in the teacher training. Okay, maybe, yeah, okay. Um, and, and what happened for me during this meditation that was so powerful. Um, so we went back to the moment of death and then there was something about light. And I suddenly went on this, it was, it was almost like an, like a, uh, medicine plant trip of sorts. Like it was so, so crazy because, um, I started to see things that, uh, and I was, again, I was taken on a journey. I mean, it was completely, you know, normal, just drinking water all day and eating regular food, you know, but it was, um, I was shown some things that really impacted my work today. Um, and, I do believe that, you know, it was all of the, the yoga that even led up to that moment of 
us then being taken into the meditation that really contributed to my ability to in fact go there and be taken there. Um, and the one of the things that I witnessed that was so impactful for me was this moment of being suspended in the fifth dimension. And I knew about the fifth dimension at that time, but I wasn't, I didn't really get it like this. And there was um, simply this moment when I remember I was in this space of light and everything that could have been the future was sort of laid out maybe in front, but like then it actually came toward me and was present within my body. And then everything that was in the past behind me was present there in my body. And it was such a crazy visceral experience. And there was only my existence in one place in the entire universe. And it was exactly right where I was. And I rec I was shown that this was the fifth dimension. And when I came out of that, I was shown a lot of things in that meditation that were really crazy, but I came out of it and I, I suddenly understood manifestation at a whole new level. And for about three to five days, I had this experience that if there was anything that I spoke into existence, it would be so. Mm. If I create that I, you know, will manifest this or I am this. And it was so singularly powerfully the truth. Mm. Whatever I spoke was the truth. And there was no other truth except what I was speaking. And that, so I, ended up down shortly thereafter down the line teaching courses and manifestation and alignment and what have you. And that moment actually defined a lot for me and understanding what we are called into inside ourselves being centered in a fifth dimensional state and how that impacts our abilities to manifest. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that was one of many poignant moments in my Kundalini journey. And although that was, you know, again, a meditation, I know it was all the yoga that led up to it that actually got me there as well. So yeah, really, really powerful. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so much so I actually, I actually wrote this entire email to Guru Jagat afterwards. I was like, I have to tell you what just happened in that meditation. This was so powerful. It just changed my life. Mm -hmm. So that was one. Was the gong happening the whole time? Yeah, I think so. Well, I don't know if it was the whole time because this was, I don't know, this might have been like eight or so years ago, but I still remember it very viscerally. But yeah, she would ring the gong for sure. Or you're not repeating, you're repeating something over and over again and you had a certain mudra? Up until that moment. And then she had us lie down and just on our backs and close our eyes. And then she took us through this meditation. And it's very possible and likely she might have had the gong just lightly, okay. lightly going through moments of it, but it wouldn't have been probably overbearing or what have you, okay. because we really were going, so we were taken on this journey. Okay. It was like, yeah, really cool. Because the one that um, um, Hadijibin did, it was, it was talking about death as well. And like in that meditation, it was, we were, the body had to be so still that the, that the body thought it was dying. So you had to go through yes. like this, oh, like you were a, a conscious death sort of thing. Yes. And then you had to go beyond that. So that was very interesting. I cried after that. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it a lot was of crying moments. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of tearful moments, which is, you know, so powerful. <laughs> so much energy moves when you're, when you're also in, you know, you're doing Kundalini, um, yoga yoga in particular and um 
Yeah, just so much. That was another thing that really impacted me in my journey is that uh, it, I am without a doubt, I, I do a lot of energy healing work, like a lot of alchemy work and with people and hands down the, all of my, my Kundalini work contributed to my ability to move energy, mm. to shape energy positively, to alchemize it, to heal it and to help others. And um, I mean, I, I highly recommend anybody do Kundalini yoga to even open up their channels, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Really powerful. That yeah. whole like concept of we are machines and we just need, we just need to be able to process more efficiently because then you can move through so much. Yes. Yes. The faster that we can process it, the faster we can, you know, move on to the next thing. But yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of contradictory to um, different ways of being because it's like, well, let's sit in this motion for three months and try to sift through. But if our system is capable of still honoring that emotion, honoring those situation experiences, but at a quicker pace, that's still okay. We don't have to like put that in a box of like it has to take this much time, you know? Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I love that, that, and that we can have it processed so much more quickly. And like you say, and I think almost to your point, you know, I learned that the faster that I'm allowing something to actually move, the faster it clears, the faster, you know, it's complete. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to keep putting it in a box per se and <laughs> keep coming back to it necessarily. Although sometimes we have to do that if it's like, you know, a bigger thing, but so. yeah, because it <laughs> I, looks weird from on the outside of like, how come you're still not sad about that? And it's just like, cause I just not, I don't know. <laughs> completely, completely. I mean, about really significant things in life, right? Like, shouldn't you be still in mourning? Well, I mean, no, I mean, I'm over it, I guess, you know. <laughs> and I think that whole, if you bring in that sort of death piece, it's like, if we look at death from a different angle, it's not, if we know it's not the end, of course, the physical yes. body isn't, you know, active. But when we have, when we have our channels open, and we're aware, we can still communicate, have full conversations with these people that have passed physically. So it's a different experience. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually how my, my gifts that originally opened was through mediumship. In fact, mm -hmm. it just like, that's a whole other story, um, maybe for another podcast time. But, um, but it was interesting that when I was doing that death meditation, I, like I said, there were so many things that I saw. And one of the first things I saw was how time really does shift mm -hmm. when we've died. And uh, that what will seem like a second for those of us, you know, who are now on the other side as souls, you know, um, what will seem like a second months will have passed here on the planet. And it was, it's such a, it was such an interesting insight, but yeah, just to be able, even able to open up that ability to connect to the other side like that mm -hmm. in some way, I definitely think that Kundalini helped me with that as well. Mm -hmm. And the channeling ability and because I said, I said yes to channeling. My gifts had opened a long time before that I said no to them. And then uh, I said yes to them. Uh, and I think it was right around that time that I was starting to go to Kundalini Yoga. So it really, I think, helped open up those conduits for me to be able to talk to the other side, like you say, and yeah, and access all that. Mm -hmm. Like you. I think like the whole idea of like having a strong lower 
triangle like that is like you need that <laughs> in order for these top chakras for you to be okay with it because if you're if you have any inkling of like i'm not i don't have a solid foundation then that connection that you have with all these different dimensions and realities that's going to be overwhelming you're not going to know where i am what what timeline am i in like you're going to be all over the place so kundalini yoga allows you to like it's just like we need to make sure the the lower centers are solid and that your solar plexus is rape and ready <laughs> and that you have that opening so that when all these gifts and things start to activate naturally you can handle it you know i really appreciate that reminder i think i forgot that actually until you just said that just now um because it's a struggle for for people i don't i can't speak for other people i suppose but it's a struggle for me as somebody who channels and does have access to all that higher information um, and having to learn to be really grounded and integrated in our bodies is, is like, that's sort of like the, the next step. That's that next level piece of it, right? And um, is how do we actually stay grounded whilst we're actually, again, you know, accessing that. And that Kundalini really does actually connect us to those lower centers as lower chakras as well, um, and really grounds us. So I appreciate that. Because actually, I think I might I've through this past year in 2020 have found deeper grounding, but it always serves us to find lots of tools to keep that in place, you know? So mm -hmm. maybe I'll in fact even consider looking at some of the grounding things for Kundalini for myself to, to keep me there further. Cause it's really helpful. Um, both the Kundalini and the grounding, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I find like, I feel like every healer, practitioner, energy, human, whatever work you're doing that's serving the planet, like y'all, we all need to make sure our lower triangle is top notch <laughs> because the energy coming in right now is so intense that we don't have the, we, we don't have, we can't waste time in trying to sift through. Just, oh my gosh. Um, yes. You know, and we have the capability. Sometimes it just takes three minutes of a meditation and you're grounded and you're ready to go. So just knowing that specific tool to turn that on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of energy happening right now. <laughs> that week of that week of December 21st, it was like, what is this? What's going on? This is not what is this? I knew it was what happening, but it was just so intense. And I like, I was so heightened in a positive way. I wasn't sleeping, but more like- Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, who needs sleep? <laughs> who needs sleep? It was exactly the feelings. Like, ah, who needs sleep? I'm just gonna stay up all night. Cause who, I mean, like, I'll be fine tomorrow. Anyhow, it was that kind of frequency, which is great. But there was also this part of me, it's like, well, I feel like it's a nice shower. Like it's cleaning out my energy system even a little bit further, but it was more like, okay, I'm good. I, I, I think I'm ready for some sleep now. <laughs> And uh, what's your relationship to like the cold and like, because of the whole sort of water cold practice in the Kundalini. Mm. So do you incorporate any of those things? That's a great question. Um, you know, there were two things that, um, or a few things, of course, that uh, were recommended. Um, and I remember uh, doing a number of intensives with Guru Jagat and she would have us doing all kinds of really fascinating things. Of course, the cold water is, you know, more of a regular practice. Um, and I haven't kept up with cold water, although I have to tell you every time, you know, you jump in the water and it's too cold, I instantly think of Kundalini and that it's good for me, right? <laughs> um, but I'm kind of, I 
I now wash my face with cold water, but I'm kind of a baby when it comes to getting in the cold water. That's not to say that other people shouldn't do it. You know, you don't have to do as I do, but I'm not great about getting in the cold water. Um, but the one thing also that I really, um, I thought was great is about like, she, there was recommendations to get, um, like a brush to brush Mm -hmm. your body for your lymph systems and what have you. And, uh, my brush isn't with me right now, but, um, that's something that I have started doing more with my face. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm focusing more on sort of like certain parts of me, but, um, I'm aware of them, uh, much less so that I'm actually practicing them still. Um, yeah, I think that, um, that was the one practice where I, I kept wondering, do I have to do this? Cause it's really, it's not easy. So I would actually love to hear what it is for you and with the cold water practice. Yeah. Do you do re- that regularly? <laughs> yeah. I remember watching a video of Hygiene on YouTube. I literally was dying laughing because he was just making fun of everyone that like doesn't want to do cold showers. And he was going through like, you know, the front and back of your hands and up to here and then up to your knees and not on the thighs for women and lower back and face and massaging the neck and make sure you have your oil on before, like the whole shebang. Right. And so I've been, I used to be like a really big baby with the cold. Like I got 18 robes on, I got the heat box, like, you know, fuzzy socks, not leaving the house, nothing, you know, I was like that. But this practice has, you know, it makes the physical body so strong. So then obviously you can yes. move past certain limits. So now, like, I, I love the cold. I still have my warm showers and, you know, you're not supposed to have super cold when you're in your moon time and those sorts of things. Right. So it's still, like, cheat and have my warm showers. But I always, 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 if I'm doing warm, have cold at the end. And I make sure I do my face and I make sure I do here. I remember, like, I was starting to get really um, phlegmy and stuff. I literally had one cold shower and just massage here. Gone. Good wow. to go. <laughs> like, it was amazing. Well, I will tell those who care about like the way their, you know, their skin looks. Oh yeah. The cold water is like, you will, your, your skin will look so much better just by the pores, right? So it's always in heat. Your pores are literally like, hi, I'm ready for gunk and grossness. (laughs) Right. And then, so then you get, you grabbed all this gross stuff. And then the moment you are in cold, the pores close and then you break out because you just had all this gunk in there and now the pores are closed. So if you're right. in consistent of like, let me consciously open my pores with hot water clean, then, then close the pores. It's a totally different way that your skin is going to be. Yeah. Well, I actually now wash my face with just not freezing cold. Like I make it a little bit, a little bit above the freezing, of course, like it's yeah. add a little bit of warm to it, but it's not, it's not lukewarm. It's colder than that. I just wash my face with, with that that temperature now and you know, my, the quality of my skin has improved a lot. So will you tell us actually, will you share with us for everybody listening? Cause, um, some people probably know, um, and you kind of alluded to it, but what are all the benefits otherwise, um, of using or having cold water showers? Why in Kundalini yoga is cold water or cold water showers recommended? So when the temperature inside the body gets to a certain point, so we know when we get really cold, our that our limbs start to like, oh, we, we're not allowed warm blood anymore. It has to go to their, our organs. So everything rushes. So when there, when you have all that blood rushing into like the middle core of the body for a certain period of time, there's a, there's like in that sort of time frame when the body's like, oh, we're, we're safe now. You have to be in sort of like this um, protective mode for a certain period of time. And after that point, 
then the blood rushes so intensely through the rest of the body that it's just all fresh new blood in mm. the system. So you're getting this whole sort of blood body cleanse after a certain point. And again, you know, the skin is fabulous. <laughs> and I remember watching this video and this woman is like, I don't know, 58, but she only, she goes into like, you know, into the ocean in the middle of the winter and negative 35 or whatever. But she looks like she's like 22 because right. the cold water. And of course, when you're, there's this whole thing of like, don't be in the cold when you're sick. And, and I, I have that opposite experience of like, it's better for me to be yes. in the cold when I'm starting to get sick because me rubbing water here it's like it's activating it's it's allowing the glandular system to oh we need to do things again (laughs) like you know you're you're activating those things in this part of the body especially that need to be turned on and have a reminder that we can move quickly we can clean out our system and of course um we want to put water in our cold water in our fits and on for women on our on our breasts and you're sort of you know pulling lymphatic fluid Mm. down into the heart so just picture like a warm shower you know you're doing your things but the cold shower mentally (laughs) is like I'm committing to resetting my entire system every day and it's a little bit intense but I'm willing to do it because it's going to be so healthy for my system long term and like we have a chronological age you know (laughs) and then we have like a mental age you have all these different ages but you can actually test the body like you could be say 38, but your body's only 21 if you take care of it. So right. you sort of, you can experience youth for longer periods of time, depending on how you treat it. And yeah. it's like, if you keep putting something in the microwave <laughs> over and over again, you know, it's going to be really gross. When you put something in the freezer that was fresh, it's still going to be fresh when you take it's it out. a great way to say it. That's a brilliant way to say it. Yes, yes. Well, um, I mean, I know I'm the one that's being asked the questions here, but um, <laughs> but it's ben- it benefits, uh, I'm sure, everybody listening as well. So, but uh, my curiosity is, you know, is it even, it's probably even beneficial if, or to take a shower that's not quite freezing cold water, but yeah. kind of like how I wash my face, which is not lukewarm, but it's slightly under lukewarm. I'm sure that's even still beneficial. Yeah. Okay. And in the, if you're like, you know, if you're kind of a little baby about it, it's fine. As long as like, if you can just take cloth, put it under cold water, like wash your face, put that cloth on your neck, put it in your armpits, bottom of your feet, on top of your feet, on your hands, like you're still getting some good. Right. Okay. But even if you want to commit to that and work yourself up. And it's like, you can do warm, turn it down slightly. So it's like, okay, no, it's down a little bit, but it's not too bad. And over time you will adjust. And I'm not saying you need to do that in like the one shower experience, but if you do the over like a month where you just slightly turn it down and remember where that little thing is, <laughs> the little knob, then you, you can get there and it will literally change your life. Because if you're, if you have any sort of um, depressive behavior depending on what's happening mm. certain situations bring you to that sad space the cold shower will bring you out of that because wow you're you're sort of you're compressing when you're depressed but that cold shower wakes you up everything all of the whole system starts to wake yes. up because it's such a shock so you you need that brightness you need that openness and that space of that culture of that shock brings you into a conscious conscious space all right i'm sold i'm gonna try it again <laughs> Next time we go out for tea or what have you, then you can ask me how I did. Uh, but I'm, I mean, I'm already doing it with my face. So, you know, I might as well give it a try. So oh, I'm, I'm going to give it a go, everybody. It's new year. Give it a try.
<laughs> Talking about cold showers forever. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about like a, like a, I guess a Kriya, I guess the death thing was a Kriya. Um, mm. So is there any like specific mantra that you still have that runs or do you play mantra music in your house? I know like I usually have it playing in every room at all times. So what's your sort of relationship with uh, mantra? Yeah, that's great. Um, well, I love, uh, I mean, the the closing, um, it's not even a mantra per se. The closing. Long time song? Yeah, that I love. Um, it's beautiful. But, you know, it's really cool. So I'm a I'm a runner. Um, or I like to run. Um, and I do that pretty regularly. I do it even, you know, in, in wintertime now. And that's new, though. That's like my new, like, I'm actually running in the snow. And it's actually exciting. But um, normally, when I listen, I usually listen to music when I'm running. It's um, really helpful to keep me going. And um, I typically listen to this is an answer to your question, but um, that is, it is an answer to your question. So I typically listen to really upbeat music, like happy, happy sunshine kind of music. And that really <laughs> propels me and keeps me going. But very recently, um, in recognition of how important grounding is to my business, to my and my work, the actual work that I do to um, genuinely to my sense of well being. Um, and my sense of calm, um, even, even, you know, being governed by happiness, being grounded is so important. And so I've started listening to a lot of music again, and I, um, uh, Kundalini yoga music again, and I, I've put it on, I have, well, we don't really have Pandora. We have Spotify here in Canada, but <clears throat> I still have my Pandora account from the U S so, um, I just stream uh, um, a station that has music like that. And it's very, um, very grounding. I get, I, it helps me. I do that first thing in the morning usually, or sometime in the morning, I should better say. And then throughout the rest of the day, I'm feeling so much more calm and peaceful. Mm -hmm. So it's become, I wouldn't say, you know, I'm okay. I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to listen to this music every day. It's not like, you know, a, a choice that's that disciplined, but I am finding myself, more so now um, than before listening to that kind of music as I run mm -hmm. um, because it rather than take me up into my head and get me in sort of like daydream uh, which is fun um, daydream land as I'm running it actually grounds me more in my body and helps mm -hmm. me integrate more as I'm running so that's where I've I've kept that that going and that up or I should say I've come back around to it better said mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's such beautiful music yeah. Even if I don't know what's being said all the time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like obsessed with white sun. <laughs> with what? With white sun. With oh okay, yes. Yeah, literally obsessed. And I found um I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Sunny? Sunny AI? Sunny AI? I don't know. But they they played this. Um she did a cover of Halo by Beyonce and it's oh, wow. with the mantra in it. Oh my god, I could cry every time. <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah I, I fallen in love <laughs> yeah okay well I'll have to um I'll come back around and I'll I'll take a note of that um when I when I listen to this again as to the name where you can tell me again later so I can write it down so I can go find it and maybe even listen to like a streaming station with it but I don't so I don't know if you're going to post this video but you're wearing a white baseball cap which yes. is very very cool I love that I had um a white hat that I bought 
in the spirit of Kundalini yoga um, that I wore to class, um, but I also just wore it out on the town, right? And I loved it so much. And I've had that hat now for I don't know how long. And my mother and my friends have said, you have got to get rid of that hat. It's ratty and gross. <laughs> but I love this white hat so much. It's not even really like, I guess I've washed it, of course. But <laughs> yeah, so, so, but I love seeing your white baseball cap because it's cool. You can really make Kundalini actually kind of modern, right? You can, <laughs> yeah. you can find still a white, what, and my hat too is like actually, it was, it is. It was like, cause I'm going to retire it, I suppose really modern as well. But, um, I <laughs> yes. love, I love seeing your white baseball cap. It's like, yeah, you can have a hat and, or you can have a white turban, but you can have a white baseball cap and be super cool. And, you know, yeah, it's kind of like developed over time. Cause I'm, cause so my hair is really like, you know, my hair is curly and it's right. I'm always trying to figure out ways to like, okay, how do we wrap this today? And I want to wear my hair down, but if I wear the head wrap with it, and I can't take the head wrap off because then I'm going to have that dent in my hair. So you know, I have to figure right. out all these different ways to do the thing. But I notice I feel so much better with my head covered. Like it literally feels like a vortex is open and like I'm really delicate or something when I don't wear mm. anything on my head. Like I just feel so open. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but I just feel like there's a safety thing that I, I feel yes. when I cover my, my head. Yeah. Yeah. So usually I like cover when I when I teach. Um, sometimes I don't cover, and I can notice. You the notice trend. a difference. I pick up, yeah. I pick up a lot more information from students and what's coming through, and so it's, it's an interesting experience. Especially when I'm going out, I'm like, I need to cover. It's winter, so I can obviously I'm going to wear a hat or whatever. But I'm like, I really understand that concept of covering your head and then openness for sure. <laughs> Yeah. And that's also another really good reminder for me. So I'm glad I said something. And then that was your response. Cause, uh, you know, being psychic myself, uh, and being a channeler, you know, I've learned a lot of practices for how to disconnect. I mean, that's really been so much of my work. It's like, almost like that was, that was chapter two, you know, the first part was opening it all up and being a channeler and everything. The second part is like, okay, and how do we like really truly turn it off, right? Like how do we shut it all down? And not shut it all down, but you know, just when we yeah. want to and not be connected to anybody else psychically and um, not let them connect to us. And I mean, it seems great to be telepathic but you don't really want to be telepathic all the time. Like it's just, no, no, uh -uh. no not at all. Uh, so, um, so that's a great reminder. So now I have, I do have the tools now on how to turn it off, but it's nice to have a little extra support. Yeah. So uh, I might, I might, now that you've reminded me, it can look cool. Like, <laughs> I, might. I don't know yeah. if you get this, you, pro you probably get this, but I find if like someone's really, new I, I think I made a uh, a meme video or something about this where it's like someone you introduce yourself to someone and they know like you do Reiki or you're intuitive or whatever and they're like can you see all my chakras like they like freak out like you can see everything and it's just like one it has to be consent based of course consent or something based yeah some things in your field like I can see automatically because your soul wants me to see in order to interact in a certain way yeah beyond that I'm not like digging like no I tell that to people when people ask, like like people ask me what I do and I say I'm a channel or they ask about that and I said well it's you know explain something about being psychic and and then I can feel it instantly I go but I don't worry I'm not reading you like don't like that's not what, that's not that's not how this works like I don't walk around just reading everybody that would be like so, and what I tell people is that that would be really intrusive. Like I 
would consider that rude, you know, that's not <laughs> yeah. like a violation of privacy in a sense. No, it's all consent based. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, but it is, I, cause you know, you know, I don't think you probably meet too many people every day that say, you know, what do you do? You're like, Oh, I'm a channeler and you know, psychic gifts and what have you. So I can understand that a lot of people yeah. would think that you're probably <laughs> naked. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm naked. All right. Exactly. Yeah. You're reading me. Like, no, no, no. And it is lovely. I want to say to what you just said, it is lovely given the fact that it is consent based and that it is, you don't open it up when there is something in someone's soul that says, Hey, please deliver this piece of information. And it's so not necessarily because the person's overly open, but just because it's there and it, it just in, in grace and sort of something from the divine wants to be contributed. That's actually quite often a really lovely moment. Mm. Um, I remember I was, um, I was in uh, doing something with a friend. We were, we were out and about around, around on the town, and um, we actually happened to be at this little wine tasting, which is not something that I recommend. Actually, the alcohol part is um, can be over expansive. But um, I really hadn't had much, and I was sitting there with um, with my friend, and this gentleman was sitting there, and um, he was going through a really hard time, and. Suddenly, I just started to get these downloads um, for this gentleman. I said, I, I know I don't know you, or if you don't mind, but and I started to share some things with him. And every and he was completely moved, and it really, you know, obviously impacted him. It was exactly what he needed to hear. So every now and then, those kinds of things do happen. And um, what is the Kundalini um, philosophy on ca caffeine and alcohol in general? Um, I know that, like, <laughs> I know Gujek is always making jokes when it's like before Thanksgiving or before Christmas. She's like, we better do this sick because y'all know what you guys are going to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, one of the, like, one of the teachings that I love is from when she was talking was know what your vices are, vices are and know what you need to balance those vices. Mm. So if you're someone that likes three glasses of wine where you're hanging out with your friends. Well, I know exactly what set I need to do in order to move that frequency out of my body in this yes. time. So Very it's not good. necessarily you need to like cut it out. Of course, like don't be binge drinking all day and hardcore like that. Unless right. that's what you do, but you better be doing 18 hours of Kundalini yoga. Like, you know, <laughs> so just know what your vices are and know what you need. That's exactly yeah, it. that's great. That's great. And know that and um, know what your vices are and know what you need to then compensate, but then also maybe, you know, come to learn what your body actually needs. And yeah. the vice. <laughs> like maybe not so much that like maybe, you know, and I think I find when we get more and more integrated and grounded in our bodies as well, um, that that becomes more clear yeah. about like, yeah, not so much that that really actually isn't what I need anymore or doesn't work for me or only that amount or what have you. So. Yeah. It's like phases. It's like, wow. we're all like kind of children when we first started, like, no, don't take that away from me. No, I can't do that. And then, well, just do this. And then you can do that. And you're like, okay. And then, as you said, the grounded piece where you do the addiction meditation, all those sorts of things, then those things start to dissolve. And then you don't yes. have to figure out that balance all the time because it's just not a need. It's not a need. It just it completely, like you said, dissolves from your body. You don't need the caffeine. You don't need the alcohol. You don't need the sugar. You don't need like it's there's no craving for it. And in fact, it's almost the opposite. It's like it it it's there's no desire for it at all. Yeah, it's really interesting shift when that when that starts to happen. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked a lot about community. Let's talk a little bit about your work. Yes. If there's anything you want to share that's coming up or anything like that. Oh, yeah. OK, so. Um, I actually about um, 
uh, starting about a year and a half ago, I started developing a program called the Alchemy of Living. Mm -hmm. And it's all about uh, its manifestation, its creation, but it's also um, alignments and it is clearing and healing of emotions and energy and consciousness and those little parts of consciousness that we're not always aware of, but that hold us back. Um, it's about some of the things that I got even from that, that Kriya with, um, with the regress, the regression into mm -hmm. toward death and then learning those things and, and about time and no time. And <clears throat> when we're in a space of no time, what that does for us in our manifestation powers um, and our creation powers and our sense of um, even a positive sense of self-discipline mm. um, with how distractions are all come into play with it a lot of the pitfalls with manifestation and what gets in our way um, so that program um, I started teaching about I think it was about maybe eight or so years ago but I just started developing it to put it online actually mm. before 2020 um, and that program is getting actually launched very shortly online so I've been developing it a little bit yeah thank you thank you and then I also recently channeled a new um, I saw actually some cool stuff that you were doing too about prosperity and you've got some really cool things going on there and I think there's a lot of information coming coming through for a lot of different channelers and, and uh, on the, on the planet in general about purpose and potential and prosperity. And so um, I've been called to put all that together. And so I recently started teaching that course as something different, something separate. Um, and I believe that's maybe even going to become a manifestation for business, which will integrate all of that. But the, uh, so many fun, I love this new course so, so much and purpose is amazing. It's incredible. We all love to feel called and fulfilled in what we do. And that's so important. Um, prosperity, I mean, abundance, that's amazing too, but my favorite part really is the potential part. And it's just, it's so much fun. There's so much self-expression in it. So I've been doing that. And then, um, so I've got these two, these two big things happening and they'll be happening continued throughout 2021. But my last favorite thing, Mariah, that I'm so also thrilled about is I got a calling to start teaching meditation to kids. Aww. I know. I'm so loving it. So I've been trying it out with some kids and um, they've been loving it. Even like this, the seven-year-old, just um, seven-year-old boy just reported best class ever. He kept falling, like he kept kind of falling to sleep and he fell over at one point. It was so, I was so adorable. It was so beautiful. And um, they're loving it. They're so calm. They're like, it's helping them with stress. Um, and I just love kids in general. So I'm really taking even a lot of the things I teach adults and like just giving them to them in you know, more bite-sized mm -hmm. and obviously not giving them too, too much, but um, teaching some of the same practices that I channeled for adults like years and years ago. Um, and they're, they're digging it. So so I've got the alchemy of living for adults and then I've got, you know, I've got sort of like a, you know, a meditation thing going on for kids and then also the purpose and potential prosperity get together. It's so wonderful because the kids, like the kids that exist right now, they're just, they are like just many adults and they're a lot more open and they haven't learned yes. not, except they're just open to everything. So it's like the perfect time to be like, here's the best way to live your life. <laughs> this is how we're going to integrate to be a great adult. <laughs> Do you know what's, I mean, first of all, it's preparing the generations. I mean, it took, I mean, it was much later in life that I got to learn some of these gifts and skills. And it's not just about meditation. It's what we, 
um, it's, it's a whole, it's a much bigger practice. There's some creation in there that I'm teaching them and intention and connecting to their own inner wisdom and their own intuition. And I kid you not, these it's so, they're so great. Um, we cover in the first class, what do you think the word centeredness means being centered? And what do you think being grounded means? And they like, they figure it out, they nail it and they get it and they get it so, so fast. And you can tell that they get it viscerally. You know, and then I, sh then, you know, it's conceptual, but then I actually show them in fact, well, what does it mean to be centered? How does that feel? What does it mean to be grounded? How do we get grounded? How, what does that feel like? So anyhow, it's really exciting. And like you said, they're so open. I genuinely think that teaching kids is going to make me such a better teacher for adults, hands down. It's like, oh, oh, I could just say that. And that'll just make a lot more sense to the adults too, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> They're so helpful. They help me hold through the whole thing, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's. I think like because they're so curious. Like I find as a teacher, when the when the students are curious, it makes you a more animated and excited and engaged. Yes. Because they're, they're like that richness that you're giving them. It's like yes, they like, they love every moment of it. But sometimes when we're teaching adults, you can you can feel the resistance certain students are depending right. on where they are. So you're you're still giving what you're given, but you can. You can be like, oh, that didn't go in. Okay, all right. <laughs> right, exactly. It's a great way to say it. That didn't go quite in, but that's all right. You know, yeah. 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 They'll get it fat. You know, I I um I always tell adults in the adult classes, just leave behind everything that you think you know. Because even if I'm about to say something that you've heard many, many times, I might say it again and you might hear it, even though you're hearing it for the 25th time or more, you might hear it with its wisdom in a brand new way, like you're actually hearing it for the very, very first time. Mm -hmm. And what's fun about, and so, you know, leave, leave all the files aside, you know, let it, let it get filed, refiled mm -hmm. over time. And I'll have adults come back and tell me about, you know, dreams they had months later, finally really like integrating it, what have you. And the kids, you know, they get it really fast. You know, they don't have all that information in their files yet too, I suppose. Right. So it's a little bit easier um, in that way. But yeah, they're really open to just getting the wisdom of it in a fashion for the first time. So it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I'm excited. It's a brand new calling. I mean, I'm, I'm, um, I'm literally just starting to teach classes now. So it's, it'll be fun to see where this all goes. Yeah. You definitely need it right now, especially with the confinement of things. And, I know. You know, that'll definitely help a lot of parents if they're if their child is in something that allows them to be centered and, and grounded and connected. So. Yeah. And I think what I'll end up with, I think where it may go, we'll see is I'll do it for the kids for a while and then we'll actually end up being able to do family oh, family sessions. Yeah. <laughs> so that the parents, like whichever parents want to join, we can do like a family meditation class, mm. get a number of families to join. And, you know, it, yeah. Because the, my um, one parent already was like, I want her to teach me what she's learning. I'm like, well, go for it. Like have her teach you. Absolutely. And, you know, at some moment we'll probably do a family meditation so they can all, you know, and enjoy it together. I feel like that will have so much healing in regards to um, disintegrating any hierarchy or yes. parents do I do this like we're collectively doing a practice together so it'll sort of bring that evenness back into the space yeah absolutely I I, I agree because children you know are so wise um, you know I, I interact with kids like you know 
obviously humans that don't know as much in some ways, but in other ways are actually sometimes even no more, right? They have a connection to some wisdom that's, that's really um, perfectly profound. And, and, and so I, I think it's great to empower them to have those tools and then be able to, to help, you know, foster that with their parents, because, you know, we're all human and we all need support and not all of us as adults really grew up, you know, learning these things, of course. So it's always great to have extra ways to connect ourselves and, you know, source our own joy or healing our centeredness or groundedness, whatever it might be. And yeah, like you said, just having, kids know how to do it, I think really empowers their leadership. And that's what I'm actually really inspired by with this is that I can really feel that I'm working with leaders mm. with these young kids. And I get really inspired by that. Like, wow, and maybe I get to work with some of these leaders for years and years, you know, <laughs> helping foster their leadership. And that's exciting for me. Is that will sort of rid that childhood anger of not being seen or heard or not feeling empowered yes. we don't have to do, don't have to do right. <laughs> totally totally yeah absolutely <laughs> and and you know listen it's really i uh you know being a parent is just there's so many demands of course you know and being a parent and so to have other adults that are there to support and can step in as other you know mentors and supporters like i like i want to do it's it can be actually, you know, obviously extra helpful and supportive to a family unit because not everybody can be every everything at every moment, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is a glorious combo. Yeah. Um, where can people find you on the interwebs? <laughs> yes, the internet web. Um, so you can find me at ariaraphael.com. Um, that's my primary uh, web address. And otherwise on Instagram as Aria Raphael and also on Facebook as Aria Raphael. But I'm predominantly um, on Instagram. And otherwise my um, my website has a contact page if anybody wants to reach out as well. But there's lots of information there. Alrighty. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yes. And yeah, this is a great combo. So I think we can probably talk about things forever. <laughs> we'll probably have you do it again. <laughs> okay. Sounds great. I'm happy to do it. All right. Awesome.